a big brief. significant <laughs> break yet again. Uh, we seem to take a lot of those lately. We've, we've done that a couple of times. But you know what? It's okay. You know why? It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Hey, listen, you guys, we're, we're glad you guys stuck with us. Uh, Absolutely. You know, looking through social media and uh, seeing downloads, you guys keep coming back. Uh, so we're, we're happy to be here. Uh, we've got a bunch coming out. Uh, in case this is your first time listening, this is the Bo Rush Podcast. I'm Scott Nelson. I'm Travis Stowe. And we've been doing this for a little while, and it's just about having fun, being able to have some real cool conversations with uh, people we know, people we've been introduced to, people that we view as as experts, because we, we are not. We just are <laughs> yeah. fortunate to be able to talk to some really cool people about awesome topics like uh hunting uh hunting in africa that's been a big one a couple really good guys have been on talking about their experiences over there uh, talking about hunting whitetails in the southeast hunting whitetails and muleys and elk out west uh, and talking to a bunch of different guys who really know gear and equipment which is kind of what this one is about episode 49 episode 49 49 that's right so, so we're here in georgia this is where we're based out of uh, we've there's always bow shops. That's always been uh, a hot topic for people is where, where do you buy a bow from? Where do you uh, go get arrows? Where do you get your bow set up? How do you, how do you learn more about shooting a bow? Yeah, there is more than just going to Bass Pro and Cabela's. Uh, those are great. Those great are good places. starting places. You can get great bows still there, but there are other options as well. Absolutely. And there's, there's a number of them here in Georgia. One that you know, we've got some personal ties to um, is Second Chance Archery out of Cumming, Georgia. That's right. Uh, Max Dixon, his dad, Jeff Dixon, uh, they really, really, really know what they're talking about uh, to the point so that, you know, uh, Hoyt actually changed up a couple of processes for how they how they tie in um, tie in D-loops. How is that? D-loops it's, it's a D-loop. Yeah. It's a D-loop? Oh. Yeah. But how is it that a simple father and son change an organization's method of doing things? That just shows the level of their, the quality. It does. You know, um, Max has been shooting for a while. His dad's been shooting for even longer. Uh, some of you guys may, uh, as we go into this, sorry, headset here. Um, we, we, we're going to come up. This is going to be a longer episode. We sat down with Max and, and his dad. And we sat down with Matt Nelson from Bowhunt Unlimited as well and, and just had a really long conversation uh, just about everything archery, everything that they've been doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you guys may or may not know Jeff. Um, he did a essentially one of the first kind of broadhead tests on what actually happens to an animal when you shoot it with a broadhead. With some really specialized techni- techniques, he got a specific gel created um, that it, it kind of, it definitely... Uh, it ruffles some feathers, basically. It did, but it was yeah. truthful. And, and that's really what they are after. You know, Second Chance Archery wants to make sure that they're educating, you know, the, the clients that come in on not just the the bow setup itself, but hunting, you know, what, what different shots look like, what actually happens with animals, what's the most ethical way to harvest the the whitetail the axis deer the elk the goat whatever it is you're after but they they want to they want to make sure they educate people on you know what what some ethical shots are and what you what shots you can take which they definitely definitely know i agree uh well, one of the things about the audio though is you're going to hear some noises in the background uh be prepared for it it's you know 
sometimes audio doesn't work the best we did the we think we cleaned it up pretty well so i think you'll still enjoy it but the material that they're talking about is well worth listening to for sure yeah so a couple people are going to hear in this obviously you're going to hear me and travis um a little bit we kind of just sit back and and let let the other guys talk a whole lot they've got some great stories but that's true uh, obviously max dixon is going to be in the first part of this jeff uh, jeff dixon his dad uh is going to be in the second part and then matt nelson from from bowhunt unlimited uh, Matt's been a long time, lifetime friend of mine, uh, and he actually introduced me to Max years ago, uh, and and we've all kind of kept in kept in contact. And Max, Max, and Jeff are just doing some really really good things up at uh, up at Second Chance Archery. So, with uh, no further ado, let's jump let's into a conversation, man. All right. So, um, you know, first off, if you introduce yourself, Max. Yeah, so uh, my name's Max Dixon. I am a co-owner of Second Chance Archery with my dad, Jeff. Uh, we kind of started it back in 2012-ish mm-hmm. as a as kind of a mistake. We weren't even really planning on um, planning on starting an archery shop, but it just kind of was, <laughs> one, right it was it. one of those things we just kind of fell into. Yeah. Um, and, you know, going on nine years now and, um, and still cranking out and selling some of the best stuff in the industry. So it's pretty fun. What what, uh, what companies did you partner with? Uh, so we partnered with Hoyt, mm-hmm. uh, Hamsky, QAD, Black Eagle, Easton, Excel True Ball, mm-hmm. uh, Sword Sights, Tree Limb Quivers, mm-hmm. um, Tooth of the Air broadheads, mm-hmm. German Kinetic broadheads, Jeez. and Fire Knock, um, which is high-end bow, really arrow components mm-hmm. and uh, and knock components as well. They have a pretty high-end lighted knock that um, that we sell to, to some of our more our more top-tier yeah. customers that that want to spend forty dollars per knock. <laughs> How do you end up vetting those type of things to make sure that what you've chosen is something you want to apply to yours? So personal personal experience, I mean, you know, we what you won't find with us is, you know, a shop that's selling seven, eight different brands of sites, six different brands of rests, you mm-hmm. know, so we 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 kind of try them out and kind of torture test everything. And we ultimately decide on the ones that over time and continuously repeat and perform. Um, Hamsky are some of the best rests in the industry. In my opinion, they use um, you know, ceramic ball bearings in their, in their components. So you can have them out in just about any weather condition and they're not going to fail. Okay. Um, and then, you know, QAD is almost everyone in archery has heard, heard the name QAD. And with the new integrate system that they have on the Hoyt bows, it's it's a pretty pretty flawless rest, and nice. they're they're awesome. I mean, I've, I have a QAD back from 2013, I think that I have absolutely torture tested, and yeah. it still works flawlessly. It, it seems like it's on like 90 percent of the bows you see. It is, yeah. <laughs> mo- most most of the time, you know, the other 10 percent is you know going to be probably some other dropaways, and you know, everyone has seen whisker biscuits on bows and. If if you're a tuner, you, you know that. If you're a bow tuner, you know that whisker biscuits are your absolute arch nemesis. Um, so I mean, you're hunting cold weather and it's, and it's wet outside. Starts freezing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your, bris, your, your bristles freeze. So, Fletching's got to go through them. Yeah. You know, man, I hit six inches back on them. I don't know why. Well, man. Yeah. 
you you got constant contact going through the entire time. Yeah. So and you can hear it just squeak mm-hmm. through. <laughs> yeah. Um, but another thing too, you know, we like working with cool people, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we've got a really good relationship with Hamsky. We've had it for eight eight or so years now. Yeah. Same with QAD. Um, Hoyt's more newer. Uh, you know, we didn't we didn't start working with Hoyt until until last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Sword sites. The the guy who owns that, Rod Nottestein, he's just a super chill dude. Builds everything himself. Um, super durable. The quality control is is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Excel. Everyone has heard of Excel and everything like yeah. that too. They're great sites. Um, but you know, having being able to call up the owner of sword and you know on a cell phone and being like, hey Rod, I got a problem. Yeah, and that's like, huge. And him and it's huge. And, um, you know, especially for a guy like me, you know, we don't stock that much stuff. So when we need something quick, mm-hmm. we mainly do custom order yeah. and Rod can get us amazing products super fast. Well, being based in North Georgia, who are, who are some local people that you partner with here? Black Eagle, mm-hmm. for sure. So, Randy. I mean, they're, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're right down the road. Um, you know, we've been with them, I want to say since 2004. 14 or 2015 mm-hmm. uh, you know when we were when we were kind of getting getting a little bit bigger getting more of a name for ourselves and mm-hmm. wanted to you know rep a brand of arrows we tried out East Ends, Vaps, Carbon Express, Black Eagle yeah. um, you know the customer service at Black Eagle is great mm-hmm. them being a Georgia company big, you know, big deal, <laughs> big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal so you know we like to keep all of that we like to keep as much in Georgia if we can mm-hmm. um, and you know if I if I need something quick mm-hmm. I can call him up and I have it either the next day or two days later yeah um, and you know last year during COVID he did a, he did a great job of making sure that we stayed stocked with arrows mm-hmm. um, a lot of people working from home a lot of people had more opportunity uh-huh. to go bow hunting <laughs> yes, uh, I built about 200 dozen arrows last year and I think there was only a short period of time where I actually had to lay, wait longer than two weeks to to receive product. Yeah, and that was kind of right at the start when when just everything was kind of crazy. So yeah, yeah. Um, but you know we've maintained that. I stand behind their product. It's what I shoot. Mm-hmm. It's what I put most of my most of my customers in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Easton's a great brand too. You know everything is made. In the USA, at their facilities, yeah, and I've I've seen how it works. I've been out to the factory. It's some pretty serious equipment <laughs> that they use to make something that's twenty eight inches long, going through two shoulders of a whitetail. Yeah, um, but you know, Black Eagle, it is a Georgia brand. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of soft hearted for that, and uh, and yeah, that's one of my one of my favorite partners to work with is Black Eagle. Well, selling product, what are the services that that, that you guys offer? So we're mainly a higher end tune shop. Mm -hmm. So we we sell ourselves on education and quality Mm -hmm. of our work. Um, We're we're a home-based shop, so we don't have walk-in business hours. Mm -hmm. Um, Me and my dad both have full-time jobs, so we do this on the side. Not to make money, but just because we love it so much and to make sure everyone who's going out there with a stick and a string is doing it the best they can with the most knowledge they can and with the best best shooting product that they can get. 
Um, so we're appointment only. We generally only have one or two clients over here at a given time and our normal setup with a new client is probably two to three hours long. Mm -hmm. Something that you're never going to find in a walk-in shop. (laughs) Definitely not. With six, seven guys waiting, you know, I've done it. Well, you can, but you're usually waiting for the next three people in front of you. And how are you doing? I got the range real quick. Um, Good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Okay. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Everyone, this is my dad. My dad, Jack. Say hi. We're just talking a little bit about the backstory of the second chance. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, I'm Jeff. (laughs) Scott Nelson, my boy, Hey, Scott. Nice to meet you. Travis. Hey, Travis. How you doing? Nice to meet you. (laughs) Good. Cool. (laughs) It's a father and son friendship. That's awesome. That's That's awesome. Since he was 12, he was on a stool next to me when I was just working on my stuff. That's very (laughs) cool. Why do you do that, Dad? You did that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's how it all starts. That's yeah, how you know. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Dad. All right. <laughs> well, it's one of the things that we're saying earlier about like how people come in here and you might have two hours for the person that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Being at just a regular shop, you might be there for about two hours, but usually you're behind waiting for the people in front of you. Exactly. Then they get their 15 minute done out the door stuff, not knowing really what's happening. You're actually spending time and showing the person what you're doing, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Yeah, and um, you know, a lot of times, and I'm, you know, I'm not talking down to any of the bigger shops and anything like that. You know, I hope to have one one day. Mm-hmm. It's just not in the cards right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times the techs there. It's really hard to find a good archery tech nowadays. Yeah, and a lot of times the techs there. You know, they'll set up the bow and they'll do a pretty good job at it. They know enough to be dangerous. They know enough to be dangerous, <laughs> sure, yeah. But when it comes to, you know, that, that person's shooting technique mm-hmm. or, you know, their knowledge of what is actually in their hands, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a toy, you know, it's a, it's a weapon. Yeah. It, it shoots, it flings an arrow out with some pretty serious authority and done wrong, it can seriously hurt yourself or somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm sure a lot of guys would love to do that. Mm-hmm. Some just may not have the time to do it. I know when I was in a shop, um, you know, I was taking some of my knowledge from here and applying it to my clients there. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes I had the owners chirping down at me. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, speed, speed it up Production. a little bit. Yeah, you yeah. know, you got five guys who've been waiting here for three hours. You know, kind of like what you were saying. And and yeah, just it it got to a point where it, it's. You gotta cut corners somewhere. You gotta you gotta gotta do it somewhere. So that you're also having to work with every bow manufacturer they might even have, changing all the configurations with what you have. You know your bows, you know the configurations. Mm -hmm. Now you're just making it fit that person. Correct. Yeah. So you know you can have a guy come in like, hey man, what draw you on with 28? And really they might be a 20 and a half, Mm -hmm. 29, a 27 and a half, and that's something that that we really try to look at. and we, we, we did it with, we've done it with Matt, um, you know, figured out, you know, he's been shooting a 30 inch bow for probably as long as you can remember. And I'm a tall guy, I got long arms. He's got long arms, yeah. man. I'm short, I'm only 5'9", I, I max out at 28 inches. You know, he gets he gets 31 inches now and fits Lord. into it good. And, um, you know, it's, we, we take pictures where, the, where, where your face contact is with your hand, where the string is touching your face, you know, how you're standing, where your feet are. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of, we want to make sure every bow is perfectly fit 
into the hands of the client that it's going home with. Okay. My older brother, his first year. That was his first, sir? His first year, with the bow. Yeah. Is he still hunting? No. Yep. See, we've had this we've conversation had many, many so times. Many. Almost everybody. Yeah. It's a hit it win it kind of deal. They just shoot a big one and then they hang it up. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to compete because they've already got that set idea. This is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And it's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've told it before. So start out. I didn't, I didn't start hunting until really, until we met. I mean, I was 19 at the time. Um, I was always a big outdoors. Like I, did, I did a lot of fishing, a lot of hiking, rabbit, squirrels, but I never had really deer hunted. My, my, my mom and dad just weren't, weren't really a big fan of it. His family grew up, you know, Nebraska, big time hunters, so, but it never kind of trickled down to me. Uh, we'd start working together back when I was 19. He invited me to go hunting. And Everyone's was, day. Yeah, and I spent almost three seasons, and I saw, yeah. I saw two deer. Well, technically, I think, technically I know one. You helped yep. carry a lot of deer. Yeah, I, I helped carry a lot of deer. Um, <laughs> that, was me, that was me too, yeah. I just I, spent hours not seeing anything. Uh, I went still <laughs> three or four years in Illinois before I punched a tag. Mm -hmm. So I had I had quite some money spent up in tag sandwiches. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And everybody else I was putting on deer and they were shooting deer their first, second set. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm just like, what the Can't heck? enjoy the sweet without sour. Can't enjoy nice. the sweet without the sour. Yeah, and that one was actually my little brother. My, he was 13 at the time and he shot that with his bow. His first ever sit in a tree stand. <laughs> Which, hey, listen, I, I, I'm stoked for people that happen to you. I worry about that more of when that happens, especially if they're a younger, younger person. I, the numbers that we've talked to state or really support that if you see, shoot a deer, your first sit, unless it's something that's just ingrained in your family and that's family tradition, more likely in, in three or four years, that person's not going to be hunting. Yeah, he hasn't even picked up a bow or gone in the woods since then. Uh, I mean, all, all four people with success, but it's like, I, I hate seeing a young person. I love seeing him kill a deer, but I, I hate seeing him kill one because most guys are. Yeah, that, that uh, picture right there is actually him and me dragging it out together. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. First and last, huh? Basically. This green RX-5 is his. I just haven't set it up for him yet because he hasn't really shown an interest in <laughs> shooting it. I'm just like, dude. Free, free, yeah, you got a free boat. Free RX5 right here, Take man. Like, come on. What are you what are you doing? Take advantage of it. Shoot the dang thing. At least. Jeez. So I think uh, I think the grass cutting has has ceased. Subsided. Has subsided, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that wasn't I wasn't. Not too bad. Now. Not too bad. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just told him to give us like an hour or something like that yeah. and then cut it later. That'll be, it'll be easy. Um, so, a couple things talking about who's sitting at the table, right? So, gone through, gone through really who, who Max is. Uh, we got Matt Nelson sitting here too. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know your, your involvement with, with Max and with my bow rush and, and what you do from the Bow Unlimited side. Sure. So, uh, yeah, my name is Matt Nelson. Um, born and raised in Georgia. Uh, Max and I met each other at Timber Ghost. 2017-ish? Yeah, probably in there. Yeah, and uh, I was kind of like Scott. I didn't really grow up hunting. I grew up fishing all the time. Me and my dad would fish all the time. And um, yeah, uh, you know, just meeting you and you know, meeting you guys um, and Brad. Mm -hmm. uh, Brad got me into hunting. Um, and um, Brad. And um, 
Yeah, I uh, I started I started hunting back in 2000. I graduated graduated high school in 04, and then I guess I started bow hunting two years later. So in 06 uh, is when I started bow hunting, and uh, kind of the same thing. I went, you know all season saw one deer two deer I, I think i didn't kill my first deer until my second season of hunting and um and then finally uh dustin and i were living up in dahlonega at the time and um we had some land off the back of our house and uh and that's when i shot my first buck and uh i think it ended up scoring like i don't know that little thing scored like 110 or something <laughs> but you know i was ecstatic you know yeah, yeah. um i've only been you know i've only been hunting a few years so um yeah, and, and then, you know, I just, I've, I've had a passion for it ever since, you know, um, I just, I really enjoy it and, uh, you know, I'm excited to uh, set up this new bow with Max. Um, I was shooting, so the very first bow I ever shot was a uh, Bowtech that I had bought from my brother-in-law, um, which, um, they're huge bow hunters, they've, they've grown up bow hunting their whole lives, they've got, you know, tons of family land, and um, so... They were actually another uh, contributor to the, you know the start of my bow hunting career too, and uh, so I bought I bought that Bowtech from uh, my brother-in-law, and um, shot that for I don't know four or five years probably, and then um, and then went up to uh, Outdoor Depot <coughs> and um, got hooked up. Uh, Max, what was the guy up there at Outdoor Depot you mentioned? His name? Pat, there's Pat and Ryan. Pat, it was Pat. Yeah, Pat. Pat uh, set me up with my first uh, Matthews bow, and, and that was a uh, monster chill bow that I was shooting for a while. And um, yeah, I've been shooting that bow ever since 2000. Let's see, I think that bow came out in 14. So I've been shooting it since 15, about a year later. So I've been shooting that bow for what, going on seven years now? Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, an upgrade. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I figured it was time. It was time for an upgrade. You know, Give, giving her a tune every year. Yeah, new exactly. Set of exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. You retuned that bow for me and restrung it last year. And um, yeah, no, I've I've had a good year. Business has been good, and um, I want to make a note to that. So all the years that you've had it, you brought it to you to tune. Correct. That kind yes. of shows the the trust that you've brought to yeah. him. That he comes to you knowing that well, he's bringing something to you. You're going to give him something he can trust year in and year out. Of course, yeah, and, that, and that's you know that that's why that's why we do it. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give anything back that I wouldn't shoot myself. You know, that's kind of that's kind of the quality I put into it. If I don't think it's perfect, mm-hmm. you might have to wait another week until I get it perfect. <laughs> um, and so I've never we've never been big on fast turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. You know, when I first met Matt, and I think, like I said, I think it was probably in 2017, you know, just working with him, walking through him, I think we kind of built that that trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know, we've, we've maintained a good contact throughout going on four years now. Um, arrow builds and... Oh, yeah, string, dozens string, of arrow builds. Dozens of arrow <laughs> yeah. builds. String changes, tunes every year, you know. If he, you know, anytime he has questions about something, mm-hmm. you know, it can be 10, 11 o'clock at night, he shoots me a text. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when his mind gets going, uh-huh. just, you know, he'll text me, hey man, like, what's the differences in these two sites? You know, when he's thinking about changing something up and, you know, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll text him back like right away and, you know, we'll kind of 
work through there. So I think I think that that builds it as well. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Just like you had mentioned about having those relationships with your other mm-hmm. dealers that you deal with, I've been glad I can have that relationship with you. you yeah. Know, you know, like you know, like you said, if I got a question about this or that, you know, you're always quick to respond back to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's what it's all about, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And there's sometimes, you know, I I can it, it can take me longer than usual, um, but you know, we we all different things going on sometimes at different points in our lives and um so i think with that mentality you think in life especially the way we've grown up and that everybody's want this amazon lifestyle i bought something on amazon it's not here this afternoon i need to have it now when it's not to get pissed Mm -hmm. but hunting requires patience it does it requires rethinking, like become humble about, it's not about speed, down, down, yeah. down, down, down. You're trying to be part of the moment. That also can comply into the idea of building the boat, getting something tweaked, everything. If you're gonna spend time, six, 12 hours, whatever it is, outside in the woods multiple times, when you rather allow it be done right, give it the time necessary. So when you're out there, it's going to be working correctly versus being like, well, I got it done 15 minutes. I hope it works. And exactly. you're, just, you're questioning. Yeah, it looks good. Ready, ready to yeah. go. Yeah. So um, especially archery, it takes patience. Yeah. And especially with new archers, mm-hmm. um, you know, as urban hunting has become more popular the past four or five years. Yeah. You know, guys who have really never hunted within city limits and who have mainly rifle hunted mm-hmm. their whole life and had to go down to South Georgia or go, you know, go on a trip to go rifle hunting, you know, and they see these monster bucks in their backyards, yeah. per se, you know, they want to, they want to get into bow hunting so they, they can do it. Yeah. Um, and that education is huge on getting them set up with the right form, the right the right release that's right for them, you know, not just because they saw John Dudley on knock on shooting a handheld release. Um, you know, sometimes it's better to start on a wrist strap release until you learn the fundamentals of of what it is that you're doing with archery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see is whenever I'm working with somebody new is bad information that yeah. um, they got off Instagram or some forum page and forum pages are the worst because you got <laughs> you got 12 different guys all shouting out their different opinions at you and if you don't do it the way this guy does it then you're, you're an idiot you're an idiot and you're wrong i mean to each his own yeah um but that the education is huge i mean that's one thing that we instill here is, is knowledge and education explaining everything that it is that we're doing why we spine test each individual carbon arrow shaft before we even cut it to find the true spine of the arrow. That mm-hmm. way it's that first that first bend when it leaves the bow out of your whole dozen is the same and not yeah. not on spread across the board. Yeah. Um, which helps with accuracy whether you know it or not mm-hmm. and it helps with broadhead flight mm-hmm. especially especially with fixed blade broadheads. Um, we know why why we're putting certain twists into certain things, mm-hmm. why we're setting the peep height here, why we're telling you to have your hand a little bit lower on your face and not so high on your face, you know, face pressure. I mean, 
grip pre- the right grip angle, the right mm-hmm. grip pressure. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. Muscle memory. Muscle right. memory, yeah. And, you know, that's why our process usually takes two to three hours with, with someone new or on a new bow delivery is because we want to make sure that they're leaving here confident that when they go home mm-hmm. and if they go out and buy a target somewhere or you know shooting 20 30 yards in their backyard mm-hmm. that they're not gonna fling an arrow somewhere and and hit hit little johnny <laughs> <laughs> hit, john, john. hit johnny across across the yard kicking soccer goals in his backyard so um you know and we find that some of our clients come in here discouraged, mm-hmm. especially if they've bought an above somewhere else and just haven't figured it out, mm-hmm. but end up leaving ecstatic mm-hmm. when we open up the bay door and shoot shoot out into the range and they're stacking two inch groups from 40 yards, really their first ever time <laughs> shooting. So yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty cool and it's pretty fun. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, the irony, I'm sure everyone's seen that post, uh, it's a, uh, um, you don't hear from that that one buddy you don't hear from until hunting season. Mm-hmm. That's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, I've got a lot of people like that too. Yeah. You know, I, 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 tell, I tell everyone, you know, hey, come see me, come see me in May, come see me in June, come see me in July. You're like August starts calling, and then it's like, hey man, how fast can you get me string cables <laughs> and tune and a dozen arrows? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, when I try my best to to, to hop on it quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sometimes when I have seven, eight, nine bows in here in queue, it's hard, it's hard to get it. And it wouldn't be fair to anybody else to rush through one to get to to the other one. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately I can't, I can't meet everyone's needs all the time, Mm -hmm. but I definitely try my best to, to work diligently with them. Mm To, you know to make sure I'm at least providing them that special extra level of customer service mm-hmm. and why they reached out to me in the first place yeah um, so you know my clientele isn't just in the North Georgia area I mean I have clients in South Carolina Virginia Tennessee Mississippi Florida Texas I sent three bow builds out to California this year had oh, wow had a group of guys fly out here for a fitting and uh, they spent, they got a hotel room and they spent the week, basically the weekend in here going through different models, getting sized differently, kind of put out everything that they want. We built the packages um, and then shipped them out, shipped them out to California. Um, We've sent bows to Australia, Germany, Mm -hmm. Canada. We don't do too much of the international stuff anymore. It's just Mm -hmm. really hard to a lot of red tape. A lot of red tape. <laughs> yeah, and if someone's spending, you know, a couple, couple few thousand dollars with me, you know, and their bow gets held up by customs in some country, they're pissed, and yeah, I'm that. the guy. I'm the guy they're calling. So, yeah. Um, so we, we try to keep it nationally now, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. so well, it's pretty fun. You, you mentioned a little bit ago um, as far as the urban hunting side, especially being where we're at in, in North Georgia, sure. there's been this huge boom of the urban hunting. One, what's your what's your opinion on it? What's some, some key factors for you as people start to get into that? And then how's it, how's it affecting your business? So we definitely have a lot of new interests come in mm-hmm. on our contact us page on our website or through our DMs on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We're working on a new website right now and working on a new Instagram page as well, just to kind of let everyone keep up with us a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but with the urban hunting, I mean, it's it, it, there's there's two sides to it. So as as fun as it is, as it is, and as mm -hmm. awesome as it is, I think you need to have a decent level of education about bow hunting and mm -hmm. and whitetail and just what goes into it, mm -hmm. and you know just just the respect level of it for me. A lot of these guys want to do it. I find because they've watched videos on YouTube of guys killing 160 inch deer uh -huh. within city limits. And you know, it's a massive deer, but you know, at the end of the day, we respect these animals so much. So the last thing that I want is a new archer to go injure a deer mm -hmm. in his backyard or say someone else's couple acre lot that they have, that he got permission mm -hmm. and then have it eventually die in front of Peter's in, house. In front of Peter's house <laughs> yeah. or underneath the trampoline or by the swimming pool or in the driveway because then that puts a bad rap yeah. on all of us. That or if it's wounded, what's the first thing it's going to run? Well, you there's roads everywhere. And so if it's not even dying... It can get hit by a car. Hit by a car, potentially hurting someone else. Yeah. And so you're putting a lot of stress on a very simple mm -hmm. thing if you just do it right. Especially if it runs across property lines and, you know... Neighbor one may be okay with it, yeah, but neighbor two absolutely okay despises it. And, you know, they won't let you come onto their property. Yeah. And, you know, then you're just like sitting here scratching your head going like, man, what's, what's the right move? What do I do? Do I, do I, do I walk across the line? Do I have a good blood trail? Do I call DNR? Mm -hmm. Always call DNR. Always call <laughs> DNR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's not going to cross through everyone's mind. True. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of the negative side about it. Now the positive side about it, in my opinion is, you know, it's such a, it's such a healthy food alternative to, yeah. to you know, store-bought meat that's full of processed whatever. Hormones. Yeah. Exactly. I know off this buck so, alone right here, I got about 105, 110 pounds of meat off of that thing. So I was eating on him for a while and I didn't have to go to the store and buy it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for people wanting to live that kind of healthier lifestyle, there, mm -hmm. there's a good, there's a good alternative, alternative yeah. right there. Going back on what you said in densely populated areas, a ton of deer are killed every year by motorists. So mm -hmm. yeah. when you get more guys out there taking them, putting clean ethical shots on them, you know, it can reduce the amount of deer that are potentially hit by That's hit true. by vehicles. Um, and then kind of a third one there, you know, it gives, it gives everyone the ability to kind of get out and hunt. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, we all know property leases are pretty expensive yeah. mm -hmm. and then buying land to go hunt on is even more expensive. Uh -huh. And then time to get to them. Time to get to them, time, time to set to them up, them. putting yeah. up a ton of tree stands, you know, putting in food plots, food plots, spending every weekend of every summer there getting a, getting a setup ready. I mean, yep. that's a ton of time invested time and money invested when you know you can have a guy who maybe picks up a bow used bow for three four hundred bucks gets permission on a couple plots and you know he's having just as much fun as those guys oh, yeah. who are who are going out to their leases um so i mean it gives it gives them the chance for everybody to get out there and experience bow hunting mm -hmm. and if you haven't experienced bow hunting you gotta do it you gotta do it because it's just <laughs> I've never hunted a hunted a day in my life with a rifle. Um, that's my dad's a huge bow hunter. He taught me how to bow hunt. We 
we never rifle you hunted. You started right from? Right at arch- archery. Have, yeah. you, have you ever crossed the side and started mm-hmm. using Ever? Ever. Wow. Okay. That's a... Uh, never had, that's never had the desire to. Okay. And I mean, I know it's different and you know, that's my personal opinion. That's good though. I mean, staying true in a mm-hmm. one way, it's always good. And you know, archery, there's kind of that like ancestral connection too, because as hunter and gatherers, that's what we did before you know gunpowder was invented and we could go out and shoot them at 200 okay. 300 yards yeah you know we had to get you had thousands now, yeah. <laughs> now you have to get you got to get close and i mean i've killed a, i've killed a ton of deer with my bow and just that adrenaline rush that i get every single time yeah is is amazing so well, i mean and just like you mentioned getting close to that animal getting close know, is something serious that that's over half the experience i think yeah sitting in the woods mm-hmm. shooting deer at you know zero to ten yards is yes yeah, shooting the deer is a blast but then realizing you've spent all this time planning and your assumptions and what you thought was correct as far mm-hmm. as where that deer was going to be like i think i think that's the killing success but I put my stand in the right place. I think that's exactly. Right. I get a lot. Of I was hunting the right that. wind. Hunting the know? right wind, exactly. Yeah. And um, you know, some of those factors like wind and everything like that, in my opinion, again, my opinion, aren't as heavily factored in with urban hunting because mm-hmm. a lot of these deer are used to seeing people yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, so you know, I guess one more benefit of that is just seeing the woods come to life. Yeah, that's one of my oh, favorite gosh, yeah. favorite things is about being out in the woods. As yeah. you know, you got an animal who's lived out here three four years in the woods that, you know, that this is his home. You know that he, he finds food, he finds shelter, and mm-hmm. they do it. I couldn't stand two weeks by myself. Out <laughs> I wouldn't have my phone. I wouldn't have Red Bull. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing squirrels come out of their their nest, birds shaking off the morning the morning frost and yeah. everything, and it's just it's just an awesome experience. I recommend everyone at least get out there and try it, no matter what your views are. Yeah, and with the urban hunting, it's the uh, you can see two eighty five starting to back up and people honking their horns. Mm-hmm. And everything. <laughs> That's how they're doing. Wait for it. They're honking. I'm getting ready because something's moving around. And you're just sitting here like. This is peaceful. Yeah, I, I am not. Sit, I'm not sitting in that traffic right now that I, right. Can, I can hear. Right. No, it's urban hunting. It, it. I mean, I grew up again. I didn't grow up hunting, but right where I was at, I had a lot of pasture land. There was probably there's probably 400, 500 acres. I mean, right behind where I grew up, and and I'm surprised I didn't hunt because in the morning, you know, I can remember being in you know fourth, fifth, sixth grade. I would get up early, go behind my house. Get, get through the woods to the edge of the field and literally climb up in a V of a tree and sit there. Yeah. And because I, there were deer that would come out and literally walk right under, underneath me. Well, I never thought to get them <laughs> sit there. I saw some monster deer looking I, back. I did it with um, my dad all the time. I mean, you know, he never let us go out with a bow until we were ready to make the shot. Yeah. You know, I wasn't 14 or 15 until I killed my first buck with a bow. And it was a little... A little dink, <laughs> but you know it was my first buck. I was super proud, and I killed him 15 yards yeah. on the other side of the fence at at my old house. Yeah. Um, and then I just was just yeah, hooked. hooked. That's what fired the passion. Absolutely yeah. hooked from then on out. Yeah. My little brother, we were talking about earlier, you know, killing a 
really good Georgia deer for his first time ever at a tree stand and yeah. first time ever bow hunting. I mean, he, he put in the time and practice and, you know, he was shooting a, I think it was 43 pounds and 25 inch draw length. Yeah, so for all those people who are like, hey, listen, you've got to be shooting, you got to shoot 60 pounds. pounds. <laughs> you know 500 grain arrows not a not a you know not a rage not a massive cutting mechanical mm -hmm. about a little inch and an inch and an eighth fixed blade mm -hmm. he put a good shot on it through, through and through and then we call, ended up calling his deer pincushion mm -hmm. i mean sideways and pincushion so his, his g3 is completely sideways on his right side so that's kind of why we called him sideways but i, I like pincushion name better because Shot him through and through. Buck just stood there, didn't run off. Stood there, so he went through and through again. Buck just stood there. He shot twice. He shot three times. Okay. And then on the third one, he just went fell over. <laughs> fell over. And I'm just like, oh my god, dude, you. Now, granted, you like never see that. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, you're, this is your first time in a stand, first time bow hunting a morning. You shoot a good buck, and, and then you don't even yeah, have yeah. to track it. Yeah, Do you realize what just happened? Like, what is, like... He's <laughs> like, well, if it's this easy, it's like, I don't know what the big deal is. I think, is. I, ended up, yeah. I, think I ended up taking some of his hair and cutting it off and, like, sticking it in my pocket or something. I was like, dude, you are just the luckiest lucky. son of a gun. <laughs> you can say lucky, but then again, he's lost the passion. So. He's a huge baseball player, mm -hmm. so he he still he still wants to do it. It's just he's not as diehard as me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he he still likes it. He still likes hunting, you know, bow hunting and everything like that. He he walks down and, and feeds my spots with me. He looks mm -hmm. at pictures with me. Um, he plays baseball six times a week. Um, so he's a voyeur when it comes to hunting, but yeah. he does it through. The people I think he lives vicariously yeah, through yeah. me and my dad through it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's going to go on trips with us for sure. Nice. You know, it's just he's he's Focus got a really promising yeah. baseball career ahead of him. Wow. That's awesome. And, you know, God forbid something happens, mm -hmm. falls out of a tree. You know, we, we wear harnesses with lifelines, but just God forbid something happens okay. and and that is potentially ruined. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's looking at D1 and D2 scholarships right now for baseball. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, he, he's he got a lot in front of him. Yeah. Well, and that takes so much dedication. It and does. So does, and so so does archery. Bow, so whenever right? he gets, whenever he starts shooting now, I mean, he is absolutely lights oh, out. Man. Oh yeah, and like he could pick up, it, it could be like a year for him and he'll pick up a bow and 40, 50 yards and just just repeat and I'm just like it might be because someone sets it up correctly <laughs> well even that guy even that guy who sets it up correctly I was shooting my bow the other night like a donkey and I had to put the dang thing up because I couldn't freaking settle my pin or I couldn't do any of this and I was just like I got about six eight arrows in and I was just like I'm just gonna get mad <laughs> bows going up Beer's getting cracked, and yep. we're just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, you know, going to a big reason why we got together uh, really is based around Matt getting a new bow after shooting the same one for, for seven years, right? So, Matt, what, what were you shooting again? What, what are you going to? 
So I was um, I was on a Matthews uh, Monster Chill for a while, and um, great bow, love it. Um, killed tons of deer with it, um, thanks to Max. And um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, like I said, had a good had a, had a good year this year, and you know, I uh, you know was wanting to make a switch. I just didn't know uh, what brand or what bow. Um, and so, you know, I, uh, I went and shot the new Matthews V3. Um, I went and shot the, the new uh, Hoyt Venom. Um, and I just really liked the weight uh, on how it felt in my hand um, as far as the balance and everything. And uh, just that draw cycle, um, it felt good, you know, all the way. Um, so this year I'm, we're uh, setting up a, a Hoyt Venom uh, 33. Nice. How's, how's the back wall? That, the back wall feels, it, it feels really great. Yeah. Probably makes yeah. a big difference, you know, going to an actual draw mic that, that fits you rather than that 30. So that 30 puts that back wall a little bit ahead of where right. you're, where you're not, or where your uh, anchor point is. Correct. Correct. I think we're actually, uh, we're going to extend my draw mic link by an inch mm -hmm. this year. And then I'm also switching over to, uh, to a uh, thumb release this year mm -hmm. that Max turned me on to. Um, so kind of excited for that, uh, switching up a bunch of things this year. Um, but you know, as always, I know Max will take care of me, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, looking forward to, uh, success in the woods this season. Yeah. yeah so, so talk to you a little bit, what are, what all are you doing from the, from, you know, obviously we've got a bear bow right now. Mm -hmm. What's, what's the process of going from bear bow to math flinging arrows? So... I guess like first process is, you know, I, I give the bow just a basic inspection. Mm -hmm. I make sure it's, everything's in line with where it should be from the factory. So checking factory brace, specs, factory specs. So checking brace height, checking mm -hmm. axle to axle. Um, you know, that's pretty much the, the big thing. You know, if I was keeping a stock string on it, mm -hmm. you know, there's a couple more steps, but uh, you know, we're putting a custom set of threads on it for Matt. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, next step there is, really to put those strings on. Mm -hmm. um, we already got his draw length set. The new Hoyt bows have really easy draw modules that mm -hmm. only takes a couple of screws. A monkey could do it. It's pretty yeah. easy. A lot different than it used to be. A lot different than it used to be with cam specific stuff where you had to take the bow apart, put different cams on it, yep. potentially put different string and cable lengths on it. So, I mean, they've come a long way. Um, so we've, we've kind of checked off those two boxes. The next step is to put it in the bow press, mm -hmm. take the old strings off, make sure that no twists get out of those old strings. Mm -hmm. So if, cause Matt's gonna keep those as a backup set. Yep. So if he's on a trip or anything like that, you know, and I'm not available, mm -hmm. we want him to be able to have that backup set in his case, yep. go to a shop, hey man, I, I, I nicked my string with the broadhead, you know, climbing up hill country, chasing elk, or, you know, it, it dragged my steps up into my stand. And, you know, there's a ton of things that can happen that can nick a string, so. Yeah. We do that, make sure no twist get out of them, clip those off with paper clips, um, make sure those are all good. Let me take the bow out. Mm -hmm. I've already uh, lined up the rest and everything. Um, and I can show you guys kind of how I go through that process mm -hmm. um, on doing that. And then we check, his, make sure you get his knocking point set. Uh, we tie individual knocking points in between the loops of the D loop. Mm -hmm. um, that helps reduce knock pinch. Yep. Uh, if you ever need to make a small adjustment to your knocking point, you can just cut the loop off. 
your knocking points are still there. Mm-hmm. You can kind of slide it up the string a little bit or slide it down the string if needed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so to this talk a little what is what is knock pinch? I don't think a lot of people know. Sure, what yeah. Is. So knock pinch is you know, obviously the string is sitting completely vertical mm-hmm. at folder or at, at rest. Mm-hmm. So you can stick your knock in there and it you know, it looks fine and everything like that. But as the string as you draw back and the limbs compress, it creates a string angle and a V yep. at the back of it. So when you have two just standard knots on your D loop, the area between those two points mm-hmm. that you're mainly pulling back from mm-hmm. is smaller. So in Matt's case, he has a 31 inch draw, which is very long. So that string angle is going to be much steeper because he's having to draw it back longer and longer and longer and longer mm-hmm. on the same size that's, bow. That's the pitch of the angle. For mm-hmm. okay. So if you have one of those smaller ones, that space in between that's holding the knock mm-hmm. gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it applies unnecessary pressure onto the knock, mm-hmm. which can cause your arrow to kick low, kick high, mainly low or high. You don't get too much left or right with that. Mm-hmm. But it essentially affects arrow flight. Yeah. And one of the biggest tells that you have knock pinch is if you're drawing your bow back and the arrow is rising up off the rest because yep. usually it's downward pressure mm-hmm. that is being applied to it um, you're not drawing it back from the complete middle of the string mm-hmm. so there's usually a little bit more downward downward pressure, pressure onto the knock from that point um, so what those what that knocking point does is it widens that that space gives you some play in that, gives you in a little bit of play edge. so as you draw it back you know instead of having you know something like that you got something a little bit more wider so mm-hmm. it, it takes the pressure off of the knock and lets it draw and lets it release like it like it's supposed more to true. yeah yeah okay. and if you have knock pinch and you're trying to tune your bow at home it'll help. drive you absolutely up the wall <laughs> because everything can be perfectly in line but it's not reflective through paper mm-hmm. so you know you could have a low tear you can have a high tear and it's going what the, what the hell <laughs> and usually you don't see this much anymore, mm-hmm. but that's when guys will start messing with their, their the height on their rest up uh-huh. or down. So usually, you know, if you have um, if you're if you're shooting through paper and you have a low tear, you know, it's usually a knock low, mm-hmm. so your arrow's sitting up. So when you have knock pinch, you're usually going to get a low tear. So your rest can be perfectly level, mm-hmm. and then you know you're getting knock pinch, and what you end up doing is lowering that rest and creating, creating a super, super knock high just to just to kind of level it out yeah is there a way to let's say someone that doesn't do paper tuning mm-hmm. but they're out there and they have a target once they shoot is there a way to detect if that's having that issue from how it, uh, sure so so if it's really bad you'll be able to see the arrow porpoising because okay. it's trying to correct itself that's mm-hmm. what the fletchings jobs are there to do is to correct stabilize and steer the arrow okay one way you can do that if you're not a paper test kind of guy is bear shaft tuning. Okay. So you can scrape the fletches off one of your arrows mm-hmm. and you can be at 10, 15, 20 yards. I like to do it at really 15 yards. I don't do it too, too much anymore, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but it, it is another way to tune. You can, you'll be able to, so you'll shoot your first one and say, so you know, you're, you're good from 20, you know, with field points, mm-hmm. but then you stick a broadhead on and the broadhead's hitting somewhere else mm-hmm. 
and you're trying to figure out why, why, man, why is this broadhead hitting so crappy when my field points are all pretty close? Well, when you got field points, it's just basically in line with the shaft, and the fletches are going to stabilize that and do do their job. When you have a fixed blade on there, for example, you basically have three or four more fletchings on the front, trying to steer that arrow as well. So you scrape them off and you can shoot shoot it through the you know shoot your target shoot a fletched arrow first shoot bare shaft and then your bare shaft will tell you what's going on so if your bare shaft hits up like mm-hmm. this knock high if it hits low like this it's knock low and that's because that first move it's making if it's knock low is like this and it's got no fletchings to stabilize it mm-hmm. so it's just going to travel like that and then try and bounce back up and mm-hmm. it's just a nightmare um, so that's, the, that's another way you can do it is bare okay. shaft tuning from 10, 15, or, or 20 yards. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to think of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So after, after you fix knock pinch, what's, what's the next step in, in setting up and then getting the boat ready to tune? Uh, put it in the drawboard. Mm-hmm. So every shop should have a drawboard mm-hmm. that lets you draw the bow back and see it through every part of the draw cycle, not mm-hmm. drawing it back and having your buddy go, Man, I, I, <laughs> it looks pretty good. Let me take a picture of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the drawboard lets you do that. You know, to the tenth. We we built a pretty a pretty wicked one mm-hmm. a while ago um, that that we use every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I didn't have a drawboard, I wouldn't be setting up bows. Yeah. All kinds of places make them now. Last chance makes them for their presses. Um, but that lets you check timing. Mm-hmm. Let's you check lean on the cams. Let's you check draw length. Uh, and in my case, I have a, a custom load cell built into mine, mm-hmm. so I can see the weight to the hundredth oh, wow. through the entire draw cycle. Um, and it's essentially a, a boat winch. Um, mine's yeah. a little bit smaller than that, but I mean that's essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, once I start getting to the end, I'm looking. What's the holding weight? Okay, mm-hmm. this is an 80, 85% let off bow. Why is the holding weight so high? And yeah. you know, that's when I'll, I'll go back and I'll make some tweaks to the cables. But that's basically the next step mm-hmm. um, is making sure everything looks good in the draw board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you want to do from there is typically with the QAD rest, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and route it through the cable mm-hmm. and then I'll put it back in the draw board to make sure that it's coming up at full deployment at the last inch to inch and a half of the draw cycle mm-hmm. because whenever you put something on a, ca- a cable it could potentially affect the timing of the bow mm-hmm. so if you have one that's obviously not coming up your fletchings are going to hit it and it'll it'll look down after you shoot the arrow but uh-huh. it's you're going to be loud through. you're going to break your rest and it's not going to fly that good if it's coming up too early and that 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 draw cord is already taut, mm-hmm. what it's doing is, is applying increased pressure on that specific cable mm-hmm. for every you know quarter inch, half inch, inch, inch and a half that it's drawing past what it needs to. Mm-hmm. So that can give you some problems in tuning as well. Um, additionally there, when you're overdrawing your rest, you're wearing out your rest faster because you're putting more, 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 more pressure on it when it's only designed to go to right here. It's, it's mechanical. It's designed for, for exactly. a certain amount of pressure. Yeah, and you know, some guys you'll hear, oh man, this thing broke so quick, and you know, you gotta kind of backdate it and kind of figure <laughs> out, okay, well, what's quick? What's, yeah. what's quick? What's causing it? You know, mm-hmm. is it coming up all the way? Is it coming up too early? So that's the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, you know, I usually 
shoot it through paper and chrono test it, make sure everything's in line there. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm, when I'm, I guess going back to the knocking point, what I'm doing there with the rest too is I got levels and lasers on everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm making sure everything's perfectly in line with the string, everything's leveled out. Um, I have a vise that measures on second and third axis. So it keeps the bow perfectly in a leveled plane for, for that setup stage. Then we'll shoot it through paper and figure out, you know, what we need to do from there, if anything. Um, you know, sometimes those first shot one and dones are, are pretty fun. Yeah. You get a nice crispy, crispy hole and it's just like, perfect, man, I set everything up right. Um, but also that test will tell you too, is this the right arrow for the bow? Wouldn't it also also be the, the release as well? Because I think this is just something that happened to me once and it could also have been the person that was setting up my bow. but. When I was shooting, when he ended up doing paper tuning, he would pull back and shoot and it'd be perfect. And then he had it to me, I'd pull back and I'd shoot and it wouldn't, it'd all be keen. And then he goes, what kind of release you have? And I couldn't remember at the time what it was. He gave me his release. I pulled back, it was on point. But it ended up, whatever reason mine, the way it released, I think I had to so, it. it just, it helped. Yeah, so I mean, you're, you're caliper, I was about to say calipers. Yep. So caliper versus hook. So I mean, this one, you know, this is a pretty basic, um, basic hook handheld release right here. So I mean, this only has one point. When it goes, it goes. Mm -hmm. Calipers have two of them. Mm -hmm. So depending on the amount of face pressure you have or the way your hand's cocked, mm -hmm. sometimes that loop, your D-loop, won't be in directly middle of those two calipers. So one, could, one side could hang up a little bit more. Now you're, nev you're never, it's it's marginal. Marginal. you're never, you're never going to notice it without, you know, doing some pretty intense paper testing, but that, that, that could be a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we usually try to switch guys onto either hook style wrist releases mm -hmm. or a handheld, you know, if they're, if they're up for it. Um, I don't think everyone should go to a handheld right away. Yeah. Cause I have seen some dudes let go of their handhelds and it just blows their bow up. Once another, I'm afraid, it's another that's barrier. why I haven't done it. I just, to me, I look at that and in my mind, it's like, I can see myself just going, this is amazing, and just let it all go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's their grip pressure a lot of the time is, okay. what is that? So I've shot just about every bow in the industry, every different style of grip. Now I'm not saying I'm a human hooter shooter, but I like to think of myself with a with a pretty good grip on a on the bow. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're putting too much thumb pressure, putting mm -hmm. too much finger pressure on the front of the riser, a little bit too much pressure on your pad. Mm -hmm. If if say I shoot it versus Matt shooting it, you know, those are also some tells there. Mm -hmm. There's differences in your grip. It may not be the t bow isn't tuned. It may just be we have to work on your grip a little bit. Yeah. Had a guy over here the other night, and we were setting up his RX5 Ultra. And white knuckled. He wasn't white. You see, he wasn't white knuckling it, but uh, <laughs> it was. He had been shooting Matthews for so long, and he moved over into a Hoyt, and those are two completely different grips. Yeah. So he was getting a little bit of a tear in the paper versus my pretty clean bullet hole. So what we ended up doing was we ended up taking his grip off, putting a couple layers of tape yep. on on the right side of the grip, sliding his grip back on, and that put a little bit more pressure on that side of the bow, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. nuts. Mm -hmm. So there, I mean, it's it's all it's all um, you know, it's all relative. Yeah. Grip pressure, face pressure. You know, I may have a different face pressure than you. I don't. I wish I could grow a nice 
voluptuous beard like you, but this, is, this just happened last week, so yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, I got some little fuzz here that I've been working on for about three and a half weeks, but um, you know, so that that can come into play too. Mm-hmm. You know, how hard you have it on your face, you could be putting a little bit more pressure on the knock mm-hmm. than say I am, who you know doesn't have that much face pressure. So there's, yeah. and that's you know when we're looking at that stuff with the client over here, those are things we look at to try and correct and, mm-hmm. and, and I to never improve even thought of beard as being oh, yeah. the conflict. Oh yeah. Cause, cause you gotta think, you gotta think of that like quarter inch difference of the thickness ever had, like, of your beard. I spot around the area with the constant sheet and be like, everything's full beard and yet this ball. <laughs> You're a bow hunter. How'd you get? Pulls, pulls, pulls that little bit of hair out every time. Yeah. Oh yeah. It can, it can, it hurts. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, that's kind of there, you know, then next steps, is we'll we'll put the bow in, in, in Matt's hands and have and have him shoot it, make everything make sure everything's lined up, everything fits him well. Mm-hmm. You know, he tells me it feels good. Um, then I'll throw the peep in there mm-hmm. and before I tie the peep in, you know, I'll have him go to full draw with an arrow in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, have him get to his anchor, close his eyes, open his eyes up. Mm-hmm. If it's not perfect, move it a little bit move up, it. move it a little bit down until we get that Dead perfect when he says me, tells me, yeah, that's that's right on the money right there. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go back, we'll tie it in, and then we'll we'll fling a couple arrows, and that's 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 kind of it. It's not rocket science. Awesome. <laughs> well, I know I know you are you're itching to get at it, so yeah, I can I can feel feel the leg shaking. Uh, so uh, get we're gonna jump over, yeah, let's cool. jump yeah. over and get get it fired up. Guys, so that was Max Dixon from Second Chance Archery and Matt Nelson. Uh, no relation, by the way. <laughs> no, two Matts, but it's that. definitely uh, both conversations were great. Uh, so yeah, then Matt from Bow Hunt Unlimited. Uh, so we told you it was gonna be a long one, and that was the first half where we were yep. super fortunate that we actually got uh, Jeff Dixon to come in, and towards the end of end of uh, our conversation with Max. And it was one of the best conversations we've had in a while. I agree. Yeah. Oh man. He's got so much experience. (laughs) Um, talking about New Zealand. Uh, that's one of the coolest hunts that I, I I think I've heard about just his whole time over there. So, uh, with that being said, we're, that was episode 49. We're going to be going on to 50 here shortly and talking to Jeff Dixon, kind of picking the conversation up where his son, his son left off. Uh, we also have something else. A little Easter egg going on, right? We, we do. Uh, so if you'd notice there, uh, if you if you follow us, we jumped from forty seven. Yeah, we jumped from forty six straight to forty eight. Uh, is that right? Nope, it's no, forty seven. Jumped, jumped to forty nine. There we go. Yep, <laughs> it's been a long day, fellas. Um, but yeah, so we we jumped a episode number there. The reason why is we are currently working with um, a sponsor of ours, waiting for them to get get up and running and give us the okay to release that episode. Uh, but there's some really cool stuff coming. Uh, we're, again, I always go back to we're, <laughs> we've been super blessed and very fortunate to meet, talk to, and, and become friends with some really great people uh, in the industry. So there's something cool coming, um, coming down the road very quickly, and, and we'll, we'll launch uh, that episode as soon as, we, as soon as we can, just waiting on... Uh, it's got to wait a little bit longer, but it's, little, it's well worth the wait for sure. A little bit longer. Uh, but the thing you don't have to wait for is uh, this next episode with Jeff Dixon uh, and then again, Matt Nelson from, uh, from, from Bo Hunt Unlimited. So. Bo Hunt, yep. 
So, second chance archery and Bohan Unlimited episode two of this one. Yep. Part two. Part two. <laughs> Part two. All this stuff is going to be on our show notes, so it's easy to find that out too. Oh, listen, I'm not. I'm knocking the uh, the dust off here, but hey, listen, <laughs> we're having having a blast. I hope you guys keep coming back. So, for the time being, uh, check out the next episode, which is episode fifty. Fifty. And in the meantime, check out uh, mybowrush.com forward slash zero four nine. And I'll give you all the show notes, quick links to follow us on Facebook, social medias, not just Facebook, Instagram. And on top of that, you might even be able to see the next uh, episodes because we notify you if you keep up with us. That. And then follow, uh, follow Second Chance Archery. It's at second underscore chance underscore archery. And that's second two N D two Nancy Delta. Uh, check them out on Facebook at Second Chance Archery, or just call Max. Uh, he loves phone calls seven zero four four three seven two seven six seven. And like you said in there, that's it, Eastern Time, so that's Georgia. No, call him whenever. Just if you're if you're in California, <laughs> call, call him. It's, yeah, but one o'clock in the morning, I don't think he's going to want to have a call. No, like like he said, um, you know, they've they've worked with people from all over the That's place, true. from California to Texas to obviously here in the southeast, all the way out to uh, to Germany. So uh, give him a call. He's a great guy. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, and we're on to the next. That's right. Uh, we're getting close to Christmas, so you know, ho ho ho. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all guys later.